So with Rabbi being out of town, I don't have a series for you, um, but I do have something. Hopefully by the end of the, uh, end of today, you're going to feel challenged, challenged to do something. So I'm going to kind of tell you all that ahead of time. The question is, is are you prepared? So let me uh, go ahead and pull this up. Okay. So. Most of you in all in here know me and know my background. For those who are online or for those in here who may not know this, I am a former police officer. I worked five years in law enforcement. I was a patrol officer. And through that, I saw a lot of stuff, good, bad, and different. So I'm going to tell you a real quick funny story because later that same material is going to apply to the, to the lesson. So there was one day I, was, uh, I had transferred from Warner Robins Police Department to Forsyth Police Department. And I'd only been on the road for maybe a couple of weeks. So I was still learning the agency, learning the ins and outs. And I remember pulling a person over on the interstate for speeding. And when I got to the car, I could smell drugs coming from inside the car. So I was going to search their vehicle. And I remember radioing and saying, hey, go ahead and start me another unit. Well, both of the people that were working in the city at the time, one of them called back and said, do you need me 1018? And I was like, sure. Yeah. The other officer showed up just kind of like lousy daisy, whatever. She just kind of laughed when she showed up. And the officer who asked if I wanted to be, if I wanted him 1018, he comes flying up there with his lights and sirens on. He's jumping out of his car with his rifle. And he's like, is everything okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm just searching the car. What's up? And then he kind of looks, turns his head. He goes, oh, you must not know what 1018 means. And I was like, I need another unit? He's like, well, kind of. You just need another unit really fast. Like, you're in a fight. You're dying. You need somebody here now. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that. I just needed somebody here to search, you know, put the person with so I could search the vehicle. He's like, yeah, next time, you know, if I say 10, if you need me 1018, just say no. <laughs> I was like, gotcha. So now that y'all know this story, <clears throat> it's going to apply later. But in all seriousness, I want y'all to ask yourselves a very serious question. Introspectively, I want you to ask yourself something. Are you prepared for war? And let me make some preferences before we get started. I'm not saying that God won't allow you to go through some form of hardship. James 1, chapter 2, or James, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, make it clear that we will experience hardship just simply to produce a perfection in our faith. Chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 13 even adds to that, but 13 through 15 of James um, says that God will not tempt you with evil. That temptation is something we bring upon our own selves. It will give birth to sin, and, and sin will bring forth death. I'm not saying that everything in the world is Satan's fault either. Some of it's just our own problems. Okay, Many times Satan is just putting things in our way to help us stumble. And it's our choice to choose whether or not we're gonna step on it or step over it, okay? And I'm also gonna point out that Satan is a lot smarter than every person in this room. And I can prove it in the book of Jude. You know, I don't know if y'all know this, but there's four archangels. So there's a prayer that you say when you're going to bed. It's called the Bedtime Shema. And a part of it, it says, may you know, Michael be at my head, Uriel, Raphael, and Gabriel. But Michael is considered one of the most powerful angels in all of heaven. 
And even he, when he was dealing with Satan in the book of Jude, chapter, uh, there's only one chapter in Jude, but verse 9, he says, the Lord rebuke you. He didn't choose to fight Satan because he knew better. He knew that it was to be a losing fight. The only person that's capable of fighting Satan and winning every single time is God and Yeshua. So even that point, I want to make that, that Satan is smarter than us. So don't think you're going to outsmart Satan. But also understand that as maybe as um, controversial as this might sound, even Satan needs God's permission to make us stumble. We see this in the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 6, all the way to verse 12. Satan is asking for permission. I bet he, he's making a bet with God. He's saying, I bet you can't, I bet you that he will, he will curse you in his heart if you let me take everything away, because you've done nothing but shield him. And you know, God was like, you know, you can do what you want to to my servant, because God knew better. God knew that Job would not do that. So knowing those preferences, I want you to think of the world as of it is today and look around. Look at how things are going. People are more divided than ever before. The media is continuing to push and divide us. It doesn't matter whether it's conservative or liberal. It doesn't matter. If you've ever taken one of my firearms classes, you'll know I'm very, very staunch against the media because there's always a narrative. There's always something being pushed just to sway you one direction or another. Hate is more prevalent today than it has been in recent history. We, as a population, have gotten confused on things like gender. Children are suffering mental health issues at a greater rate now than ever before. And we now consider even the smallest things to become a mental health problem. Let me explain something to you. I've seen real mental health. The first time I ever had to fight somebody as a cop was somebody with a mental health problem. So not everything in this world's mental health, but today children are experiencing at a higher rate. One of those reasons is because of social media. Everybody's addicted. They want that next like. They take a Snapchat picture, post it on media, social media, and all of a sudden they're hoping for likes and admiration. Please look at the world around us. Suicide is at a higher rate today than it's ever been in recent years. And we've gotten to a point in our world where we don't even respect the miracle that God gives to women. Because we're at a record all-time high in abortions. We let others teach our kids and we choose to sexualize them. There was a professor, I can't think of the, the school anymore, but uh, there was a professor that said we should get rid of the word pedophilia because it's derogatory. What? And we're more focused on the issues of today than on the kingdom of God. So please, everybody, look around. It's so easy to insult somebody else. I'm quite sure I'm probably stepping on toes by now, but it is. But we something we must look at and address. And if, if anything else hasn't proved to us that we're in a spiritual warfare like never before, look at the music. Music is a window to the soul. If you don't believe me, spend a whole month listening to nothing but secular music. See how you feel. 
and then spend a whole month, 30 days of listening to nothing but godly music and tell me how your relationship with God becomes. I've tested this theory out on myself and anytime I'm listening to godly music for a a lengthy period of time, I start wanting to study my Bible and I start wanting to to grow closer with God. But I want to even take it a step further. Uh, Look at how the music today has started to, you know, it's all sexualized. Okay, it's all derogatory to both men and women. It takes them out of their proper roles that God has ordained to us. If that doesn't even even get to your heart, think about the music that was recent uh, where we had that performance by the rap artist where three people died at his concert. And if you ever look at the video, it looks evil. People from the concert said it felt evil. Spiritual warfare is like never before. So if y'all have your Bibles or you got your phones, these little Bible apps on, go and open them up for me. I want us to read something together because I want you to see it for your own eyes. Now, I can become a little bit like a Baptist preacher here, so I'm sorry if that, if that might come off that way. But listen, I want us to read uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against, un, or against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Listen to this carefully. For the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in that in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. Hence why I don't believe in atheism. People might say they're atheists, but deep in their spirit, deep in their soul, they know. They know there's something out there. They may not say necessarily it's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, but in their heart, they know something's there. For although they knew God, they did not honor him or give him thanks, but they became futile in their thinking and foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Now, this is the part I really want y'all to think about, because if you look at the world today, people say, why is God letting all this bad stuff happen? Why is God letting sin start to get to come in the world a little bit more strongly than it has in the past? It's because of this right here. He said, therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relationships contrary to their nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion from one another, men committing shameless act with men and in receiving themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manners of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They were gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to their parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. They, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, and they do not do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Let that sink in. To me, that is an example of what this world has become. 
That's also an example of the spiritual warfare that's starting to exist in our world today. It's been going on for a long time, but let's be honest with ourselves. I told you, Satan's very smart. He's becoming very creative. He's trying to convince us different things, and we're becoming divided in the process. So at the end of Romans, you see what happens to people who give approval to them. I always like to say you should love the sinner, but you don't give up your morals and hate, or you don't give up your morals. You should also hate the sin they're committing. I can love anybody, and I do. I love the human race. I love the human population. I saw a lot of darkness as an officer. I never hated anybody, but I definitely hated some of the actions I saw because I saw people doing things to each other that was just absolutely atrocious. But if you think about it, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, it actually says, um, Not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father. For we shall say to him, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform many mighty miracles? And Yeshua looked to them and said, Be gone from me, you workers of lawlessness, for I never knew you. There's a lot of people like that in the world today. I also hear many times people say, oh, well, the Christian church has replaced the Jewish people. We are together. We shouldn't be divided. We shouldn't be two groups. We're together. If you think that's the case, you should read Romans 11 again, and then again, and then again some more. Because if you're grafted into this tree, this verse should be some of the most scariest verses you ever read in your life because it very blatantly says that he was willing to take away the natural branches to graft you in. How much more is he willing to take away those branches that were grafted in to bring back the natural branches? So we should always be mindful and love our brethren, whether they be Jewish or Gentile. And this may shock for many to hear, but this war that we're in is not of the flesh, but of the spirit. And we're engaged in this warfare every day. We're fighting an enemy who seeks to confuse and to destroy. My wife and I have both experienced spiritual warfare, but in vastly different ways. I like to think she's a little more spiritually in tune than I am. And so for her, she can somewhat sense it. For me, I see more practical application. I just see the things going on around the world, and I'm like, mm, yeah, it's definitely here. And I think everybody in this world has that either one or the other. Either you're going to visually see it or maybe emotionally feel it. But if you don't either sense it or see it, let me challenge you. Go and pray every single day. Go and read your Bible. Go and live out exactly what God has called you to do. And when you start getting resistance, when you start experiencing hardship in the process, you'll understand where I'm coming from. It's at those moments that you start to recognize there's something there trying to force you back, to hold you back, to put you back in the place you were at because you were not a threat then. How do you know if you're following God's will? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, my brothers, I just forgot it. I cannot believe I forgot. That's one of my favorite verses, too. Hang on. 
Yep, that's not King James. Okay, there you go. I appeal to you, therefore, my brothers, by the mercies of God, to print your to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that the testing of your faith may help you to discern the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice how there's a correlation between this and James 2, that you're going to go through a testing, that this is designed to help you change your mindset. I am not the person I was here now, right this minute, that I was 15 years ago. I grew up, I matured, I learned some things. So think about this with me. <clears throat> what does patrol officers do? As a police officer, what's something that I would do day in and day out? I'd go out on the road and I would drive around and I would respond to incidences as they were needed or I would proactively get involved, right? So I want you to think about that as you as a believer. If you are going out there and you're getting yourself in, you know, you, you are looking, you're seeing the pain and hurt, what are you doing about it? Are you picking up your figurative cross? By the way, I, I, that pesters me. I see a lot of people say, pick up your cross, and they wear the cross around their neck, but they don't recognize that the cross was actually a system or a means of death. And the Romans were really good at it. They were really efficient at it. So when you say pick up your cross, you have to understand you're, you're asking, essentially, to die. Because if you read past that verse, it says, you must deny yourself of this world or you may lose your soul. So, that being said, I want you to think about how the, the patrol officer, unlike your other law enforcement, patrol officers are always a constant presence. God has called us to be a light to the world, to be a constant presence around us, of, of those around us. But I want you to think about something else. When you're a police officer and you're at home, you're getting ready for work, what do you do? Put on your uniform, right? What's something that you put on with your uniform? Put on your body armor. What's something else you put on? Your belt that has what on it? Your gun, your tools, your handcuffs, right? So I want y'all to do me a favor. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. So if y'all could, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6 with me. And this is where I want us to focus at. Because this is the part that is very important. If you don't know where Ephesians is after Galatians, Georgia Electric Power Company. That's how you remember the four of those, okay? I learned that one from my wife. So Ephesians chapter 6, let's start in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and cosmic powers over this present darkness and, the, and the spirit, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may not be uh, or that you may be able to withstand in the in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. So stand firm, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of your feet, having put on the uh, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
and in all circumstances take up the shield of faith that you may extinguish the flame, flaming darts of the evil one and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But most important, pray at all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me in the words that have been given to me in opening of my mouth, boldly proclaiming the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So what I want to know is why are we not rising up? Why are we not standing up? Why are we not fighting? Why are we not loving one another as God loved us? When we fight, we're not fighting the way you think of. It's not warfare in the sense of I'm going to grab a sword and I'm going to go shank somebody. No, it's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to make people holy through punching holes in them, right? I'm making people, I'm trying to get people to turn back to God. The second greatest Bible in all of the commandment is what? Y'all know it? Come on. To love the neighbor, to love your neighbor like yourself, right? So if this is the second greatest commandment, and of course the number one greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God, then why are we not finding common ground with our neighbor? I know it's going to sound cliche when I say this, but think about what it means to truly love. It says love is patient, love is kind. It does not boast, it does not envy. You don't walk up to somebody and start hitting them saying, you're sinning, you're sinning, you're sinning. Because guess what? So are you. But instead, love others. Don't have to agree with their sin, but you can love them. And I want y'all to pray fervently. Pray regularly. Study your scriptures. Read regularly. It will change your life like you've never imagined before. And it will help you renew your mind. And when you're tired, when you don't feel like you can go on because maybe you've been diagnosed with a severe illness, maybe you have a, a spouse who breaks their leg and they can't do anything, maybe you deal with a medical issue that prevents you from, from progressing in life in a way that you want to, maybe you have financial problems, maybe something is happening to you and you're tired and you're ready to throw in the towel, you're ready to give up. This is when you scream 1018 for God to show up quickly, but more importantly, for your community to show up quickly. This is when you start calling for backup. This is when you start asking for help. It's hard for me. I know it's hard for Wesley because Wesley likes to help others, but doesn't like to ask for help. But you all have to come together, I, you, everybody in this community, when somebody's screaming for help, when they're crying for needs to be met, that's when we should be going to them. Lights and sirens, fast as we can get there. And when you think that you have no more energy left to hold on, just remember Psalms 28.7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. Proverbs 27.17 says that we should sharpen one another. Iron sharpens iron. So when you're putting on that armor, when you're grabbing the sword of truth, remember, we're all in it together. We're all in this together. 
The Torah says in Deuteronomy 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 4, For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you. Jeremiah 1.19 says, The fight, or they will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. And when you think that, oh, God's doing all this fighting for me, do I ever need to help God? Oh, no, 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 no. You might grow tired and weak, but God doesn't. God renews our strength. In our weakness, he's made strong. Satan might be smarter than me, but he's definitely not smarter than Hashem. And when it's all said and done, you may potentially lose your life in the process of fighting a spiritual battle. Because I'm going to promise you it's not getting better. It's going to get worse. The end of the good book tells us it's going to get worse before it gets better. But just remember this. 2 Timothy 4.7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. If someone is screaming for help, let's be there for them. Pray for them. Provide help where we can. If someone's struggling with sin, have an accountability partner. I have accountability partners in this synagogue. I do. When I'm struggling, I have people I straight up call up. I'm like, hey, Darren, I'm struggling. You have to be able to get out of your own mind and say, I need help and be willing to ask for it. And when people are calling for that help, we need to be there for our brothers and our sisters. If someone's struggling with depression or mental health, helping them provide them with resources, but whether it be a listening ear or maybe even helping them find medical attention, medical intervention, let's be there for one another. Let's love one another. And while the, work, while the world around us looks like it's going further down the hole, is there really any hope? We all know the end of the book. We, yeah, we do know there's hope, but does it feel like hope right now? Does there peace of mind right now? Yes, it's going to get worse because, and I, and I don't know if y'all know this, but we're lucky to live in the United States. We don't get persecuted for our faith, but you go over to China and you might just get put into a camp simply because you actually have faith. Okay, you go as a believer of Jesus or a believer of Yeshua, you go to anywhere in the Middle East, any Middle Eastern country, see what happens. You might not be there for a long time. You might either be asked to leave or you might be asked to leave. Okay, so I want y'all to start thinking about this. There's people around the world right now being persecuted for the faith that we believe in. The war is raging. What are we doing to help? But I want y'all to think about something. Matthew 10, 28 says, Be not concerned with that who can destroy your body and not your soul, but be more attentive to who, who can destroy both your body and your soul. I want to read this to y'all because this is something that uh, whenever my dad was buried, um, I believe uh, either Matthew or Rabbi read this, and, and it, it really helped me better understand something. When I think of spiritual warfare, when I think of getting ready for the fight, I think of this. I says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable, for the mortal body must be immortal. 
And the perishable must put on the imperishable, and the mortal must put on immortality for it to, for it to be written as it, shall be, as it shall come to pass. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? There's going to come a day and time where, yes, you might be called home. There will be a millennial reign. Where are you going to be at during that reign? I want y'all to let this sink in. I want it to inspire you. Because I know I struggle with reading every day, praying every day. And I have a problem where I tell people, I'm going to pray for you, and then I forget. Love ADHD. It works great for that kind of stuff. But whenever I'm doing something, I'm going to do it 100%. 110%. I'm going to give it everything I got. I'm like a Corinth. I'm either going to be 100% against or 100% for. There's no middle ground with me. Darren can tell you that. He can attest to my lack of middle ground. Um, but I want y'all to really start thinking about this war that's going on around us. Some of you can feel it on the inside. What are we doing to make it better, to remedy the situation? So last, this is going to be the last two times I'm going to have, one of, the, one of the last two times I'm going to have you turn in your Bible. So everybody get your Bible ready. We're going to stay in Romans chapter 8. Let's go to verse 31, please. By the way, Romans 8, if, you, if you've never studied a chapter of the Bible in your life that has the absolute, some of the best wisdom in the world, grab Romans, open up to chapter 8, and that's going to help you change your life. Because Romans 8, 28 in and of itself is great. But we're going to start in chapter, or chapter 8, verse 31. For what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for, all, for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to be condemned? Yeshua, Mashiach, is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who then shall separate us from the love of Mashiach? Who shall, or shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being slaughtered all the day long. We are, sorry, we're being killed for all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am not sure that neither, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let that sink in. If the way we fight this war is through love and God has set up the perfect example of that love to us, then I challenge you, believers of God, to show love to others. In summary, I know this is probably a very quick sermon that y'all probably, you know, I, I speak for three hours when I teach firearms classes, but I've come to learn that I can shorten my, my words down real quick. 
to convey a single point. So I promise you today we're going to be out and be at the restaurant within a few minutes like uh, the Methodist congregations do. Don't worry, I got you. But joking set aside, I think the next verse I'm going to read to you, I think it's fitting. I think it's fitting because sometimes we need to be reminded what's really going to happen. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of bad stuff between now and when this transpires that I'm about to read to you. But let this be your motivation. Let this help you find somewhere in your heart that you're ready to get out there and go fight the good fight. So, last place we're going to turn. Revelation. We're going to turn to the very end. The last chapter, the last page. Before I read this, if you are somebody who is struggling... If you're somebody who maybe has questions, I ask that you meet with somebody else. Do it privately, okay? Do it privately, meet with somebody else because I'm sure there's people in this building online that struggle. And it's okay. We all do. We all go through those moments in our life. But some of us who've gone through them can help you come through them too. Sometimes when you're in a dark pit, somebody who can reach down and give you a helping hand to get you out. In verse 6, Revelation 22, verse 6, And he said to me, These words, must, these words are, truth, true, are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angels to show his servants what, must, what soon must take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps these words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard these and saw these things. And when I heard them and saw them, I fell down and worshipped to the, at the feet of the angel who showed him to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and the prophets. With, these, uh, with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not sell the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is becoming nearer. Let the evil doer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do the righteous. And the holy still be holy. Behold, I'm coming soon. And I'm bringing with me my recompense to repay each one for what they have done. For I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexual immoral, immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices the falsehood. But I, Yeshua, have sent my angels to testify you of, of these things for the congregations. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit said and the bride said, come, let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires the water of life without price. But I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add the plagues described in the book. But if anyone takes away these words uh, from this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life in the holy city as that were described in this book. But most importantly, y'all, he who testifies these things say, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Bo Yeshua Bo, come, Messiah, come. 
The grace of the Lord Yeshua be with us all. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.